Yes, I'm Dutch. Dyslexia, audio transmission. Hi, welcome to the podcast Dis and Dat, Dyslexia Audio Transmission. We're going to be speaking to a guest speaker who uh, will give us uh, lots of information about dyslexia and talk about his experience of dyslexia. My name is Michelle and I work here at the Dyslexia Association um, along with my colleague um, Amy. And Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Amy. I also work at the Dyslexia Association and I am, in addition to that, dyslexic, which means I'm really bad crack at a dinner party. It's, it's dyslexia dominates a huge amount of the conversation, so kids don't get too many ideas about having a drink with me afterwards because you're going to be real bored. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith, and I know that feeling, eh? <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm Keith. Uh, I work as a lecturer and a researcher, and a lot of my research is based around having dyslexia and how you manage that. Well, thanks for coming and talking to us this evening. There's a couple of questions that we thought we might ask, um, if you're happy to answer them. We're just going to pull these questions from the hat. So we've got our hat here with many questions. It's very mysterious. It has a big question mark on it. It's a top <laughs> hat. And a black, big black hat with a question yeah. mark on it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's very 80s TV show. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm going to do, Keith, is I am going to put this hat here in front of you and you're going to pick out a question. Hand it to me and I will read out the question. Okay. Putting the hand in the hat. <laughs> giving it a root round. <laughs> Now, Michelle, here's a question for you. <laughs> okay, okay, so this question is, when did you find out you were dyslexic? Can you tell us about that? Yes, um, I found out quite late, I suppose, in life. Um, I'm sort of in the 50s uh, age bracket, and I found out um, when I was doing uh, my first year of my PhD. I went through the entire um, university undergraduate, and then I did two years postgraduate. Um, and I really struggled and then at the end of it the struggle got too much so I went and had a test and I discovered then that I had dyslexia. So it's maybe three years ago that I, that I found out I had it. And I suppose we, there's a kind of a marked difference in terms of our, our group here because um, I would have found out when I was uh, six and a half, seven. Um, do you think in terms of the research that you're currently doing that there's a huge difference between people who find out later in life and people who find out earlier or what's your experience around that? Yeah, I think so, Amy, in terms of um, when people do discover they have it, I think there's a huge um, outlook. I think there's a huge uh, how people feel about it themselves. Mm. Um, I think when you find out quite young, um, you're young, you learn and you go through the formal school system. Yeah with all the supports and you do learn the strategies and I, I think maybe you manage better then when you find out as an adult you've had an awful lot of negative experiences particularly around formal schooling and then leaving school and perceptions you may have of yourself self-confidence esteem really gets knocked about for a lot of yeah. people if they've had that negative connotation and then when they become an adult then they have to learn all the coping techniques and perhaps then when they find out well for me anyway when I found out it turned on a lot of lights for me and helped me make sense of an awful lot of stuff that happened. So it made sense for a lot of the experiences I had, you know. So in terms of, yeah, people have come across. I, I do a lot of my research on adults who yeah. have dyslexia and have only found out late in life. So I think it is 
I suppose even from the um, adults that are kind of um, here to be assessed and then and then leave, um, relief is a word that's bandied about a lot and kind of the sense of relief that people have as their initial um, experience. Um, was that something you experienced when you found out first? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I came here and was tested and um, I remember the moment when I was told, yes, um, you have dyslexia. It was actually like someone turned a light bulb on my head. Um, it really like cleared so much up for me. Um, I always say it was like somebody lifted his weight off my shoulders. Like I came out standing taller than when I went in. Um, it made so much sense to me for the struggles I've had. And I mean, like I got through all the education and I did well and I was able to do it, but it was just so difficult and the struggles were so great that it made sense to me. And it particularly made sense in terms of the formal education was so negative. And that helped me to understand why and, you know, a lot of stuff then that, like, I'm not actually stupid, you know, like, um, and it also helped around a lot of them negative experiences. And it cleared a lot up in my head as to why things happened and why I do things that I do. Yeah. Because I, I always noticed myself when I was working with colleagues in college and stuff that I did things different and I managed different and I worked completely different than they did. Um, so it, it cleared up a lot for me, you know. Made sense for me of what what I did and how I did it. Even yeah. though I was getting through, it just helped me to make sense of it. I mean, I wanted to run out onto the balcony and shout to the world because I felt like it was just such a relief, you know. Yeah, that's a lovely thing to hear as well because I think um, sometimes you, while relief is what we hear from adults, um, sometimes you get a lot of worry and anxiety on the initial diagnosis from parents when it's younger children so I suppose again that's an interesting um difference in that um you know it, sometimes it's it's relief depending on your stage or or anxiety and worry kind yeah. of if they're a little bit younger mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and then I mean in terms of like as a parent and you have a child and you find out like the child may have something going on then immediately yeah. your immediate reaction is to support the child embrace and make it better and with dyslexia like as we know we don't make it better yeah we manage it and we deal with it and we progress from it so a parent becomes very anxious because they can't actually you know mm-hmm. make it better and then hopefully they learn to you know deal with it and take yeah. it on board and stuff like that you know that was thanks for answering that question that's very honest sometimes people find it difficult to talk about their dyslexia so honestly um, and I think if you hear other people doing that and, and talking about their experiences, it can empower other people then to share mm-hmm. theirs. So thanks for do, doing that. But I do have more questions in the hat. So is it okay if we ask you another question? Absolutely, yeah. Um, Amy, I think you might take this one to ask the question. I'll take the question. El, el hat. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Pick it for me. <laughs> I'll pick it for you, I promise, Keith. Um, I suppose... Oh, this is a good one. Um... And it kind of links into what we were speaking about. Is there a person who's been a really good support to you in your life around your dyslexia? Um, like someone that you feel has kind of, even maybe even before you knew, just kind of supported you in terms of things you found difficult? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is a very good question. Um, and it's one I'll have to think very carefully about how I answer. But I think in terms of is there one person? Mm. No. Not one particular person, but I, I was fortunate that I had a couple of people, you know? Yeah. Like, I've been married for 30 years, so 
obviously my Gotta wife. Got to do a shout out to the wife, Keith. It's very yeah, important. I mean, if I don't say she was number this one, I'm gone. Be, <laughs> this is going to be a syndicated podcast, Keith. Yes, so, so your shout out in this situation. You know, Jenny, is... you were always there and you were on my rock. <laughs> I've always told you, you know. And in fairness, she's had to put up with the dyslexic me for all them years. Yeah. when Nobody knew what was going on. And I mean, most people who um, perhaps have it and want it diagnosed from the people I spoke to do experience anger anxiety and difficulties and you learn to cope around that and, and sometimes that has so she's had to put up with all that um, so yeah being a, a fabulous support um, my eldest daughter also who um, was attending university at the time I discovered that was, was a huge support also you know and then in college um, I also had one or two people who became great friends with and sort of realised was something going on and one in particular who, um, you know, more or less took me under her wing, helped me with my writing, showed me different strategies, slapped me when I needed to be slapped, kicked me up the backside when I was, you know, using I can't write as my excuse or whatever. And then also encouraging me to come here yeah, and have the test um, so I could realise what was going on and move forward. So very fortunate that I've had um, quite a good support network. And I, I do think that, like the support was there and for a lot of the time I didn't use it because I mean for me it's just you don't maybe want to know or you don't want to admit to yourself that there's something wrong so by going particularly I suppose as a man by going and asking for help I don't know it's just for me uh, you know, yeah. I didn't go early enough for you support you know? I think as well it, it is something that's very stressful um, in terms of even when I speak to young adults who are starting their journey in terms of education and the idea that they would go to, um, you know, their um, to get support from their college and things, it almost was as if they felt like they were cheating or they were getting an easy pass, as opposed to just for once in their life, for the first time, they would just be on a level playing field. And it's mm-hmm. about getting that message through that you're not getting a leg up, you're for the first time being on the same starting block as everyone else. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I'd agree fully with you. And even, you know, maybe I had them thoughts myself as well. And it is, you do think to yourself, well, you know, I got that degree by myself. Yeah. Nobody helped me. Or, mm. well, sure, you know, you have the two angels on your shoulder, the good and the bad, and the other fella saying to you, actually, you only got that because the access office helped you, or you got extra support, or you got this. So that is something that does come to the fore, you know. Yeah, I think there's a real self-critical aspect of things. And if you let that seep in, it is something that I suppose all of us, I'd say every dyslexic person, if you speak to them, there is that worry that you just feel a bit like a fraud sometimes. And and it's about recognising that that's just your negative inner voice and that's Mm. not, it's not the reality. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I think that when you recognise it and when you go and get the supports, then, you know, your journey just becomes slightly easier you're still going to have the same journey but nobody has given you anything for nothing you are still going to have to do the same work as everyone else like but the supports are there just to help you along you know if I had any advice to anyone it would be to, to seek the help and the support earlier than, than I maybe did you know so yeah it reminds me of uh, one of the things that comes up often in um, talks and stuff with adults is about that around um, I did it myself or I'll do I just always wanted to do it myself yeah. But it's this analogy that I've been using lately is about glasses, like glasses to read. You would not go your entire life without a pair of glasses if you couldn't see properly. And if someone said to you, here's a pair of glasses, you don't think, oh, I'll be cheating. If I, look, if I use those glasses, I'm going to be able to see properly. 
So it's about thinking about it like that. It's not anything extra. It's just something that aids you in doing what you can do anyway. But you just need a leg up in order that you're the same at the same level as everybody else. Yeah, it's actually funny that you used the glasses analogy as well because um, when I do the work with the young people around dyslexia and me with the um, 9 to 12 year old age group, the best analogy that they uh, had come up with actually was one group in particular said um, around kind of your dyslexia and your particular needs and being very aware of what's helpful for you um, was that everyone has a different prescription in their glasses. So everyone needs a different yeah. thing. So mm. obviously the Dyslexia Association's offices are just full of glasses wearing analogies mm, very very good <laughs> but I also think it may also be a generational thing and a generational idea of the word and what the word means to different people from different areas like, so for say my own personal experience of former school was I was stupid because dyslexia wasn't in the fall and nobody really knew much about it nobody really had it or it wasn't the thing that was was, was um known in my generation so for then you to have it or to maybe think you have it or to go somewhere and say you have it then that critical self and that inner self is back to that thoughts brings you back to them spaces where you maybe didn't achieve in former school but can achieve in in total level you know and is stupid your word like when i speak to people with dyslexia everyone who is dyslexic has a word that they use to beat themselves up or that they cringe when someone says um, my word is careless because sometimes I can be very disorganised. So when I'd be getting given out to for leaving a jacket somewhere or for making a silly mistake when I'm writing something, it was the teachers would give out to me for being careless or my family would give out to me for being careless. So whenever anyone uses that word around me, I kind of have a shiver down my <laughs> spine and is stupid the word that you would use kind of? Yes. And that's, yeah. yeah. So stupid is the word that we were described as. Yeah. So that's how we were spoken in school. You were stupid, you were dumb. So yeah. So stupid is my word. That's the yeah. the word that gets me going, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've met lots of adults actually that you ha- that stupid is their word mm. and it's about the realization then for them that it, I'm not stupid. Sometimes the assessment does that that they say, yeah. "Oh, yeah. I just realized I'm not stupid. This isn't my fault. This is a thing." Yeah. And that's huge for adults with dyslexia. It's just to know like it's not about being stupid, yeah. but it is a generational thing. Cuz so. it's mostly there's a particular age group that that word obviously was used a lot with and they're the people that still their biggest fear is that they'll be found out for being stupid or they'll say she don't ask me to do that i'm stupid and that's their definition of themselves so yeah the kids still have words like i'd be working with 10 year olds and they still have words that they you know we paint up on a big um board when we talk about it and it is things like careless things like lazy so stupid is something that definitely um less children identify with because again it's out of their vernacular it's not used but it's the same thing things like careless things like lazy you know all of those are people getting at the same idea mm-hmm. um, so I do think that there is I like to talk to other dyslexic people about what their word is because I do firmly believe that everyone um, who has struggled with, with dyslexia has a particular word that just sends them crazy because it was what was used to give out to them yeah absolutely yeah, mm. yeah. and I think that you know the political correctness and their for the knowledge of how language impacts on people and can be so hurtful Perhaps the word stupid has come out of the arena. But like you say, there's new words that yeah. have replaced it that are just as hurtful and just as meaningful to people, you know. So we all have a word.
right, Michelle, do you want to have a, a bit of a route around the magical hat and see what you get yeah. out there? Okay, let's think of, uh, hopefully, okay, I know there's a good question in here that I really hope I get. Let me see. Okay. Oh, well, this one will do. This is a good question. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about technology. Um, do you, so this is around maybe strategies that you're using. So what technology do you find is useful? Um, and what are you using to help you get through the working day or if you have to write reports or things, what do you use? Um, for me, I use a lump hammer because I find technology <laughs> extremely difficult. So for those who don't know what a lump hammer is, it's a big hammer that smashes things at one go. Um, when I first started off, I did not know how to use a computer. Um, that was the first thing I had to learn. I actually did not even know how to turn a computer on and off. I did not know how to use a mouse or what it was for. My first day back in education, I was told to surf the web. And I had no clue what he was talking about. And the teacher came over and asked, was there something wrong with the computer? Was it not working? I said, no, I just don't know what the hell you're going on about. I didn't know what Google was or anything. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but this was um, only actually in 2007. But I never had to use the computer. Yeah. And I learned how to avoid using the computer and get by without it, you know. But sorry to, to answer your question. Um, what technology do I use? Um, at the moment, I use uh, Dragon, which I know people do actually you know, give out about, but I've spent a lot of time trying to master it, and I'm sort of getting there with it. Um, I still have to do a lot of correcting with it, but I speak into Dragon and it types up for me, so that's good. But um, it was interesting, a conversation earlier, I heard that there's, there's much more advanced technologies mm-hmm. than that, but it just takes me a little bit of time to catch up, you know. Um, I've also been lately using the live scribe pen and I find that like an absolute revelation like it's brilliant you know so that's sort of what I use but in terms of technology I suppose I use a lot of YouTube where rather than try to read things or work things out I listen to it and I find I really learn like that so I'd use that maybe on my phone with earphones could be technology if I go for a walk or whatever Um, I try to use that you know and then the read and write program um, that I got through the access office that's on my laptop so it reads the articles or the news or whatever to me so I find that easier because I know I find when I read a book after three pages I wake up two hours later asleep I find it puts me to sleep where when I listen to it I'm attentive and I yeah. find it easier or I mean I could be making the dinner or cleaning up or doing something with the kids or whatever and it's in the background and I hear it or it's in the earphone and I hear it so you don't have to be static like you are with a book so I find that reading right really helpful that's great, um, but just on the point of the software you are using at the moment, there is a free, because we're very big on trying to pr- just get people to yeah. use free stuff, because mm. some of the supports are quite expensive, so one of the things we were talking about earlier on was Google Docs, so you can use a text, I always get this wrong, it's a speech-to-text function that's available on your phone and on Google Docs where you can speak into the microphone and it will text yeah. it'll do the text for you it'll create it for you and then you can edit it later so that saves people lots of time yeah it's brilliant it's very helpful yeah. even if you have a particularly long email to do or something kind of that you need to just you know something that may take you 40 minutes to do otherwise you can get it out really quickly yeah and i mean google docs is great and uh, like a lot of people use it in college and in mm. working and they share documents with you in google docs but I really struggle to get into the Google Docs. Yeah. Like, I, and it's just me, like, but I really struggle to find where Google Docs is and I have to go to like my 19-year-old or 17-year-old and say, like, how do I get into Google Docs? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, it's a barrier for me, but obviously I'll have to overcome it. So 
Well, one of the things you can do um, if you do if you are finding it difficult to access something because you can't figure it out is look up a YouTube. So you said you use mm. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So you can just type in how do I use Google Docs and somebody somewhere will have done a demonstration mm. and then you just follow that. So it's always a 14-year-old in Colorado who's making a lot of money, <laughs> like more money than I do. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, I mean, it's infuriating, but very helpful. But helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So there's little things you have to get over yeah. forced yeah. to accept it. I know. Yeah. You, I know I need to get over my fear and get over myself <laughs> of that and then do it, yeah. Um, I am going to pick one out of the magic hat now. Very exciting. Oh, I'm after getting the one you wanted, I'd say. Oh, no, yeah. what one is this it? This is the best question in the magic hat. Good for you, kids. You're very lucky today. <laughs> um, if you could take a magic pill and not be dyslexic, would you take it? No, I wouldn't. You didn't even have to think about that, Keith. You were straight in. Yeah. No, I wouldn't because um, although it has um, been a struggle... Um, but it's a major part of my life and it's it's a part of who I am. So, you know, do I not want my left arm? I do. Do I not want to be dyslexic? No, I don't because that's who I am. I am a person with dyslexia. It makes it tougher for me in some areas, but it makes it very easy for me in other areas. Like you know, So no, uh, no, I wouldn't take a magic film, no. Yeah, that's good. I think it's a very interesting question um, and kind of forces you to think a little bit around it. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time, there's a lot of research that suggests that um, most adults with dyslexia wouldn't um, give away their dyslexia if they could. Um, and I remember telling this to my mom and she asked me the question and I said, no, I, I would keep my dyslexia as well. And then she was just like, and all the money and the time I spent on you, <laughs> worried about you and you wouldn't just take it away if you had a chance. Um, but I agree. I think there's a lot of things, um, even just resilience alone, um, that makes me just I think much more equipped for the world mm-hmm. um, and I think that was definitely something that I got through in my dyslexia um, do you think that resilience is something that dyslexic people kind of have had to build on or, or have in general well I, I, I don't know whether they have it in general but they certainly have to build it I mean you certainly have to build resilience um, to move forward in this world especially if you have dyslexia um, you really have to learn coping strategies yeah. mechanisms you need to be really good at manoeuvring yourself and navigating different situations and negotiating yourself away around different things is, is what I found, you know. So, And I found I've, I've really developed some great techniques that keeps me safe Yeah. and perhaps doesn't let other people know what's going on that I don't choose, I don't want them to know what's going on. You know? so, yeah. And yeah, you do become really, really resilient. Um, and it's made me a very determined person as well, like, so... You know, I'm very determined when I want to do something, it's, I do it. Yeah. yeah. The famous quote of mammies when I speak to them is, I'm not worried about the one with dyslexia, I'm worried about the 15-year-old that can't get off the couch and there's nothing going on with him. Yeah. <laughs> the dyslexic one, she'll be running the country, don't worry about her, yeah. it's the other fella. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so... Okay, well... I think that was fantastic. It was so good to meet you and to hear your experiences, Keith. Thank you yeah, so much. so much. And it was lovely, Amy, to he- hear you get a chance to um, talk about your experiences because obviously we work together every day and uh, we don't sit and talk about your dyslexia. So it was really nice to hear your take on things as well. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed that, Keith. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was lovely to talk and um, hopefully it 
people will listen to it now and maybe resonate with some of the stuff we talked about. Yeah, hopefully know, so. Jenny gets the shout out that she deserves to the <laughs> widest amount of people. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. So she's had to put up with more than this me dyslexia. <laughs> exactly. Fair play to her. She got a shout for that. Some anyway. woman, some woman. Okay, well I'm going to draw the interview to a close now, Keith. So thank you so much and uh, tune in again next time for some dis and that. <laughs>